This is the way we start the podcast. This is the way we're kicking it off. It's a big, glorious day, guys. I know we always like to say that it's a great day, but honestly, today's a little bit special, y'all, because we're just going to start off this episode saying welcome to the amazing 25th episode of the Into the Waves podcast. Whoa. We don't got no sound effects or anything <laughs> like that over here, but man, a little a little clap yes, for us over yes, here, yes, I guess. Yes, a little yes. pat on the back. But hey guys, we just wanted to say right off the bat, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much because the truth is, man, it's been 25 25 of these things. It's a lot. I've done 25 of these things with my guy over here with my co-host the legendary, we call him the goat around here, but Mr. Roberto Carlos, how are you doing oh. today on special, special day, huh? As you said, you know, every day is special, but today I guess we are in a celebration mood, especially because we are in the 25th episode. Yeah, we got a little bit of sparkly, it's, it's, uh, sparkling yeah. water yeah. <laughs> to celebrate over here. This I just is, I just had my coffee, so I'm I'm. We're really, celebrating. Yeah, we got we're our, celebrating. You know, we we don't. At least uh, in our lives, we don't participate in any of that uh, f- fancy term out there. Maybe you've heard of it. Alcohol, maybe you've heard of it. Yeah, we're none of that around here. We we like our little crystal geyser. Got some natural orange. Oh, yeah. It's pretty good, huh? Yeah, sparkling mineral water. Yeah. You like this brand? Oh, I love it. Especially when I put uh, my orange juice. You like a little, I, I like, uh, orange a little juice. fake mimosa, huh? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, what they call uh, orangina. Have you tried the orangina? Oranginas are fire. Yeah, Too yeah. much sugar, though. Yeah. yeah. They, they probably have like 40 grams of sugar for but, each one. But. but I guess with this one, you can really put more water and it dissolves. I so mean, that's one of my favorites, uh, drink in the morning. That's an old school technique. If you grew up, I mean, not even Latino, because I'm sure any just low-income household <laughs> growing up, y'all know what it's like to add water to your juice. So to make it last longer, to make it last more, that's basically what we're doing over here. We we haven't really grown up. We still like to water it down. <laughs> you know, I think I was sharing with you. I know I, I was talking with your wife the other day when we had dinner that um, my mom used to um, put sugar in the water. Damn. <laughs> when well, back in El Salvador, it was kind of like we didn't have um, kind of like, you know, the privilege to buy sodas, like right. what we call gaseosas. And I used to be, you know, a little kid and... Wanted to have something with my food. Hmm. And I remember my, my mom used to you know, get a, a glass of water and then grab the sugar and then mix it. And then say, here is you. <laughs> That's sketchy. <laughs> it is. But, I mean, that, that was kind of like. True. it was. And then it, you were lucky if you had some lemon. Put lemon, then you already have your lemonade. That's pretty good. I feel like I've had that before. So then, I mean, what was the concept? Like, why why don't you guys drink like... Let's say when you go to Pupuseria nowadays, they have like Jamaicas, they oh, have yeah. Aguas Frescas. Like, how come you guys wouldn't drink that? Well, because uh, it was kind of like at home. It's still hard to it's, get or like... Uh, well, now times are different, but back then it was kind of like, you know, even... It might sound bad, but that was the reality. Mm. You usually drink gaseosa just probably on the weekend. I see. During the week, it was, it was not normal. But what about like... 
like for example like when i went to el salvador i tried like for example ensalada de fruta yes. which is like a drink you wouldn't drink that during the week no really not really no so it was only for special occasions it was for a special occasions oh. and then you know if you buy it like i said for saturday and Got sunday it. they have like a special meal and then is you, it, will, you will have that, those kind of drinks so then even buying fruit was expensive was kind of like expensive yeah okay. that's deep yeah i mean in the context well you know kind of like you know so but you think about it because like if you bring that into modern day context in my case i kind of might have experienced the opposite in this case the reason why i ask are fruits expensive because like if you think about it sometimes often the things that are most easily accessible like the more cheap the cheaper things that are accessible to people are often unhealthy. Like for example, That's right. yeah. in my case, I lived through the 2008 recession. Let's say a, a very yeah. practical common example. A lot of families underwent certain things, but like in that period of time, you could go to McDonald's and for literally, let's say maybe $20 feed an entire house yes. of maybe five or six people. Whereas you take those $20 to the grocery store you're probably not gonna enough maybe to cook one meal for one night today. for today yes as opposed to you know however many days it's crazy that you bring that up because like you guys i mean in that case maybe it is healthier because for you guys you could have just drank water that's always the alternative yeah, yeah. right but in this case in our context like sometimes it was more expensive to buy a bottle of water than it was to buy like a soda or something like that yes, so it's yes. like it's crazy how here in the United States, different problems, but yet kind of similar along the effects. In this case, for you, your health was probably not suffering too much from it. You know, it's not like you needed the extra sugar in your life. But it's interesting to see how different socioeconomic statuses throughout different countries countries struggle with different things. And one of the things that when I'm referring to water is the one that you open from the faucet. It was not like in the water. Tap water. Yeah, it was not like the water. You go to like filter water. No, you just open. So you were facing the risk of potentially maybe coming into contact with parasites, coming into contact with different things. That, that was normal. That was the that alternative. Was, that, yes, that was kind of like for you. I mean, it, it, it was like normal. People grew up with Giardia over there always... I guess you guys must have good quality bathrooms in El Salvador to make, <laughs> or at least good quality toilet paper. Let's well, one thing I remember that uh, for like, for example, new babies, they used to uh, boil the water Definitely. to make uh, la pacha. Because imagine oh, their no, immune systems no, no. could not handle yeah. something. Like so that's, that. I, I remember. And also, you know, because uh, the, um, what they call um, the, the special water was expensive. You know, tap water? Yes. It was or not tap water, I'm sorry. No, like filtered water. The filtered water, yeah. You know, those big ones, big tanks? Yeah. That, you know, the Alhambra or what they call, it was too expensive for, for the normal family to, to have that kind of right. water. So That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. Let us know, maybe some of you guys have some funny experiences growing up of the type of stuff or the type of things you guys had to do because, I don't know, maybe you guys didn't grow up in an environment where... You got everything handed to you. Maybe you did. That's okay. There's a lot of people. But you went in, in Paraguay. What was uh, Paraguay what was, was kind of like? You know, it, it was kind of like similar to El Salvador. Uh, what year was? What year? I went to Paraguay in 2017. Okay. Yeah, 2017. I was there. <clears throat> um, it was a very interesting experience because I've been to El Salvador, and quite frankly, the area that I was in in Paraguay was a lot more rural than that. It yeah. was. 
like we didn't really have a television not everyone had like yeah people had smartphones and stuff but like for example there was no street lights in the community where mm, i went to okay the road there was no cement like it was straight dirt road the houses were probably like a cool five minute walk from each other like very spread out like it was not at all a civilization type environment there was like maybe one lady's house who had been converted into like a tiendita or maybe like three three ladies throughout the whole community within the community yeah that they had like maybe the garage in their house that they had put a cooler in there put some racks up they had some chips whatever like it was a lot very very basic lifestyle yet somehow i think it was really cool that i got to experience some of the best experiences of my life like that just really goes to show that money does not mean happiness. Like <laughs> I could attest to that firsthand, guys. I've had money and I've not had money. It doesn't make you any more or less happy. Maybe that's a shocker to some of you guys. And you guys are probably like, oh, these guys over there. If you guys ever saw me walking around, you guys would probably be like, sure, bro, shut <laughs> up. But anyways, what I'm trying to say with that is like, to your point, it was a completely rural civilization to, to a certain extent. That's the best way I can yeah, put it. It is. The running water, for the first four weeks, we had no hot water in mm. my house. Stuff like that. Like basic things that you take really for granted. That's right. That's here in the is. United yes. States. Like, man, let me tell you guys, we live a very good life over here. That, yeah, you guys got to be thankful for where you're at, <laughs> for the country that we live in. I'm super grateful for where I live in every single time I come back. Even just this last past week, right, I was camping. I went camping with, hey, our, about with our Echo <laughs> students, right? And, you know, nothing wrong with it. I know there's probably a lot What's of What's a people. nice experience, baby? One of no, an amazing trip. Okay. Really super fun. We were literally, it was like a seven-hour drive away. So we were really, mm. really close to Washington, like okay. kind of that part of the that, of yeah. the california yeah. we were still in california but you know big douglas fir trees pine trees literally the trees that they use for christmas trees like all around and i got to be rafting in a river like and all around me like just these giant trees let me see if i could pull something up for visual reference sorry guys you guys won't be able to see this but i'll share it over here with my co-host because i'm currently working on a camp recap funny enough so i'll just pull up a how, file was the weather? how was the weather uh, the weather was, was it was hot okay but we were swimming in like rivers and stuff like that mm. and ponds like just look at the trees man oh yeah you could kind of see it wow, from there yeah. like just stuff like this like there's so many so many more things that I, to my point of where i was going with all of this is i was in nature right i got mm -hmm. to experience these things and even just being seven hours away from from here from the comfort of my bed I had to sleep on the floor a couple nights. That was pretty, pretty intense. I'm not going to lie. I'll show you right here to my co-host. He can't, you guys can't see what I'm showing him, but oh, wow. literally right there, we were just had all our sleeping bags straight up under the stars. And I think about that. I'm like, man, like I just kind of throws me back every time I go camping, every time I, I love being in nature. Don't get me wrong. I just kind of don't like the sleeping part of it and certain aspects of it, but in this case, like, I got a lot of time recently this past week to just reflect on, you know, the creation of God. And I feel like when you're in those environments, you kind of feel a little, a little bit extra spiritual. Let's be real, right? Like, I'm sure you know you have your own experiences yeah. when you go to, like, retreats. Yeah. Or even yeah. as a young person yourself, you've gone to camping trips and stuff. And you kind of just, 
You really look at the like stars. Oh. Yeah, you really appreciate the creation. It's next level, the, man. The, the trees and the nana. You really appreciate the moon, the stars, everything Be- around you. Because here in the Bay, especially where we live, Redwood City, San Jose, Bay Area, whatever, you cannot see the stars at night because mm. of the light pollution. Okay. When, when was the last time you saw the stars? Ooh, yeah, yeah. Right? Think about that for a second. Like We've lived our lifestyles so accustomed to something as simple as we, we've gotten used to not even seeing the stars. Not appreciate. Really, yep. But it, it really throws me back to like, obviously, like I said, when you're in camp, you get really spiritual. But I was like, just thinking about Jesus and thinking about the times that the <laughs> disciples spent. We, we called the camp that mm-hmm. we went on. We themed it after the story in Matthew chapter four. Mm-hmm. So we called the camp into the wilderness because we were, it, it's recounting. That was the theme. That was the theme of when okay. Jesus was in Matthew chapter four, as, as you guys might or might not know the story. It says that Jesus was led into the wilderness. Basically for 40 days and 40 nights, he did a crazy camping trip. Let's be real. Can you imagine what that camping trip? But mind you, nowadays we have backpacks, we have sleeping oh, bags, yeah, we have. Everything. There was people cooking for us. We went rafting, so we had these boats that like were really, really like mm. built to withstand the rivers and withstand the currents and all that sort of stuff. Guys, Jesus was literally out in the woods, forty days, yeah. forty nights, and we don't know how many times he did this. Yeah, it, the Bible tells us one yes, time one, that he did like, it, no, uh, yeah. but I believe that he probably spent a lot of time reflecting and living. A, like again, ultimately, kind of just when I'm in nature, I, I reflect on the lifestyle that these guys lived. Like I was over there rocking these like tivas. You guys might know what those are. These wa- <laughs> these shoes, these I sandals. I was looking at that today, and <laughs> they look fine. They look cool, right? Yeah. And I was like thinking about it, like walking with the sandals. And, you know, the scriptures and all that. And I was just like, man, like, Jesus used to walk, like, miles and miles and miles just to go and preach and the dis- in shoes like this. Yeah. And you've been to yeah, Israel. I, I was, I was going to so mention that. you can that, talk about yeah, this. I, I was, yeah, I was going to mention that because. Uh, share with us. Sorry. Because when, when you go to Israel, then, you know, you have a, 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 a tour bus that will take you from one place to another. And then. Just by but, curiosity, how much time would you spend on the tour bus? Let's say in between distances. That was, that was kind of like I was meditating on that mm-hmm. because we got to a place Let's say it took us from from the hotel to the place one hour, hour and a half. On the bus. On the bus, okay? Whoa. Just the bus, okay? Now, so let's say, uh, let's say, for example. That's a lot of miles. Yes. (laughs) And car, huh? Exactly. And the bus. An hour on a bus, that's for sure like three five hours walking yes minimum no it's more than more that. let's say if you see the bible jesus was running from capernaum went to another place even was crossing the, the maybe you know, hundreds of miles yes of so, just hiking. So for Je- yes wow so for jesus just just to walk to one city to one town to it might take him one two three days wow because those days there were no transportation that's deep you know maybe a camel maybe you know but just 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 yeah. to think about it for walking that's a lot and i'm Hours sure that have you uh, there's this current series going on um around on online it's it's free to watch i recommend all of you guys if you guys are interested to go and check it out with my wife we're processing it it's a show called the chosen 
it's a new oh, TV yes, series yeah, yeah. I've heard. depicting the life of the disciples. Mm-hmm. And literally, it's honestly, in my opinion, one of the best reenactments of that of that time, of that biblical story, of the narrative. But you see, like, you guys might think, oh, you know, two, three days, they were just walking. But this this show really shows, like, the day-to-day life that these guys lived. They really probably did. Jesus told them, hey, guys, we're going to start walking this way. And there was no maps. There was no Google Maps. No GPS. No MapQuest. Nope. You guys remember MapQuest? Back in the, <laughs> that might be a little bit too uh, yeah. old for some of you guys. But, like, Jesus was literally just, like, kind of how we were out there in nature. Yeah. Literally, one of the tour guides right here in this picture that I'm looking at told us that we were on a trail. Listen to this. That if we were to keep walking, we'd eventually reach Mexico. That it runs along wow. the entire coast of the United States, mm. like in weaving, and and eventually you can make it to Mexico through these trails. So imagine, same types of journeys that, and I was barely hiking out there for maybe like three, four hours. And let me tell you guys, there was one night where my whole body cramped up, like literally from my waist down yeah. to my toes, my whole imagine. legs yeah. were cramped up because we were hiking, doing a bunch. I don't know. I just think I wasn't drinking enough water. For me, yeah. But think about them. Oh yeah. Like what, I don't know about you guys, but that really does like inspire me and motivates me. And I'm just like, sheesh, man. Like, what was Jesus not willing to do? And what were those people that today we're you know we're sitting here and we're very comfortably talking behind a microphone, talking behind a computer screen, and I'm drinking on some sparkling water. We might think that we've gone a long way. Oh, snap, 25 episodes. Holy snap, big surprise. <laughs> That's nothing compared nothing. to what those guys were living back in the day. I don't know if you have anything to in your walk. You've walked 25 years of ministry. Well, Do you I, ever reflect on that? Well, what I can say is that, you know, even 20 years ago, we didn't have that technology we have. You know, 25, 30 years ago, you know, we didn't have all what we have now. And sometimes... It's kind of like for me, we get so accustomed to, to the, you know, uh, muy cómodos. To comfort, in our to comfort, comfort zone. Yes. Kind of what we were talking about off podcast yeah, yesterday. And, and we, we yeah. don't really kind of like want to stretch ourselves. <laughs> That's funny. Kind of like if we really want to experience, mm. the, the, you know, the, like the gospel. You know, I have um, the privilege to, to go different countries to do, uh, yeah, to do the that. work of God, you know, to do the work You've of God. You've seen. I have seen, you know, even people that will, will travel, you know, one, two days just to get to the crusade, oh, okay? Man. Just to go to the crusade. And then when they, when they go to the crusade, for them it's like, a big party. It's like, yes, like, yeah. You know, That's what we, they're looking forward yes, to. Yes. So you have to have that in, in, in kind of like, you know, in your heart and your mind that you're willing to spend time with them. Because if they were travel dates or distance, they really want to see God moving. Mm. And I think sometimes, you know, that we live in, yeah, we're behind, you know, these microphones and, we take it for granted that what really what it means, you know, that when God is talking to our, to our life. In your life, like, I guess, you know, you've experienced things like these events that you're describing and stuff. But I mean, can you talk a little bit about how maybe hunger is something that fluctuates? Maybe like, you know, let's be real. Obviously, you know, we talked about taking our masks uh-huh, off a couple episodes yeah. ago. But let's be real. Throughout those 25 years, has the hunger for God 
been the same? Like, has it been a constant upward trend or has it fluctuated? You know, are there ups, are there downs? It might be worth it for someone, someone like someone like me, not that I'm new to the faith. I grew up my entire life as a Christian, but truly walking in like a Christian lifestyle, maybe for the past five years per se, but like someone like you, I know within my five years, I've had ups and downs where my hunger for Christ. Yeah. There's seasons where I'm like, yeah, all I want to do is binge watch TD Jake sermons online and listen <laughs> to the, my favorite preachers. And then there's seasons where not that I'm removed, but like that hunger kind of varies. And I don't know. I feel like in this season, Obviously, if you guys are here listening to the podcast, you guys might agree with what I'm about to say. I feel like our hunger for God is increasing a little bit more than than what I've experienced a little bit in the past five years. I feel like this, I'm kind of entering into this where my appetite has kind of increased a little bit. I don't know. What do you say about maybe spending more time than some of us listening have you experienced wave seasons? How, how, it, what's a it, good way to I, think I, about you it? You know, I'm going to open myself. And because sometimes, yeah, there is some seasons that you really probably not a a 100% hunger to really feed your spirit. Because sometimes there are seasons that you go through, through problems, you go through tribulations, and kind of like you feel like, where is God? Like, it's more, see, it's easy to walk what you're feeling, okay? You feel blessed, you feel you're at church, you feel good. But what about when you're at work? What about when you're in a hospital? What about when you're going some big, big troubles at your house? And you say, where are you, God? I'm facing this big, you know, uh, building I need to pay at the end of the month. Um, my wife or my kid is sick. I have seen the report of the doctor. Those moments, that's kind of like, you know, you feel like, whoa, what, where is God? What's going on? You, right. you really even, you know, don't want to open your Bible mm. because you want, you want the to The Bible God. as a companion, he's, that's yeah, the see, last thing yeah, you yeah, want. That, <laughs> he, 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 that's because one thing you have to understand that sometimes you feel condemned. Got it. You right. feel like, um, you know, I, I was uh, visiting the other day um, a sister that she was in the hospital and, uh, you know, she's going to be a surgeon. But one of the things she mentioned to me, she, she, she opened her and said, you know, I've been, I've been so good, Pastor. She said, I've been so good helping my family, helping this. And I don't Financially, know. Financially, she's referring to? She was kind of like just general, in general. Just in general. I've been good with my family, with, with my, uh, my children. So she was kind of like putting a position that she was been good. And she was saying, why I am sick. Hmm. She was kind of like, she, she asked me. Yeah, that's bold. Like, why I'm sick? <laughs> like, I don't deserve this almost. Yes. Right, right. Yes. And it, mm. it, it, it was, and then I said, you know, you know what, sister? Yeah, good. You've been good. But you know what? God is with you. Doesn't matter. God is with you. That's so fire. So you have to kind of like, you know, he's, he's here and he's going to walk you through this situation. You have to see it in a different way. So, so that's kind of like when you really don't feel the hunger, you really want to pray. Maybe you fail. Maybe you went back to bad habit. Do you, right. think, you, do you think you're willing to go and pray and mm. praise God? I don't no. think so. So those seasons happen. Right. And that's kind of like, you know, it, it just it, it just a walk, a way, a, the way of you walk with God. I think we can like kind of bring, expand that a little bit of how 
you know, we're talking about the fact that Jesus physically had to walk. Mm -hmm. The Bible is really good at telling us what happens once he reached the destinations. But what about those journeys? What about those moments when perhaps Peter, Matthew, and John were bickering because they were all lost and they said, hey, you told us to turn this way. No, but you told us to turn that way. What about those moments where Jesus had to literally sit there and wrestle with these humans? Oh, definitely. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. they were still humans. Yes. If if you know if Matthew was so willing to cut off the ear of one of the guards, you don't think he was willing to Peter. cut off... It sorry, was, Peter. Peter yeah. If Peter wasn't willing to cut off a guard's ear, you don't think he was going to ready to cut off, I don't know, Barnabas or James's yeah. ear? Of course. Course. And and oftentimes I think to go back to what we're talking about here about how we go through life sometimes seasons where we don't hear God, I think that's extremely intentional. It, it's part of the process because the Bible itself isn't structured in a way where it tells us every single thing that happened. In in other words, what what I'm trying to get at here is that we don't know how is it that Peter overcame his the fact that he would lie. Right. Like the fact that when Jesus confronted him, he told him, oh, I know that you're going to deny me, Peter. That's essentially yeah. the fact that Peter is a denier, a liar. We can put it that way. The Bible doesn't tell us how Peter overcame lying. It simply told us that Peter lived a certain lifestyle to where it describes to us and tells us that his shadow was so powerful enough that it would heal the sick. In other words, it's very vague on how to live a lifestyle that truly models God, yet it's so specific in how to live a lifestyle that models God. I think the Bible is is really like so unique in that sense of how it's both all the answers that you need, but yet at the same time, it, it leaves enough room to where you need to rely on that, that conviction from the Holy Spirit to come in and kind of just be like, no, no, no. Like, yeah, we're reading this story, but like, this is what I'm really trying to show you right here. Yeah, Obviously, we're talking about circumcision and how some of these people would literally show up to the <laughs> temple. Am yeah. I telling you to snip, snip today? No, that's not what I'm telling you. But yet, it's so beautiful to see how in Scripture, there are these little tiny, like, I like we like to call them downloads. Okay. Like, you know, these and little... In the, the, the modern, in the modern, modern context, the dates, you, talk to, you talk to pastors, you talk to people, and they'll probably you'll probably hear this little trigger word. But like... We like to live our life in this series of downloads, right? Like, whoop, doo -doo 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 -doo, upload. Like, kind of right now, I'm plugging in my hard drive. Mm -hmm. I'm temporarily recording the podcast onto a hard drive. That's a download, right? But I genuinely think that God is trying to call us into a lifestyle where we move from download to truly having that information rooted in our hard drive. Mm, okay. I, I think it's, it's God is saying, hey, yeah, flash drives were cool. They were trendy. It was nice for you to get the information, download it, and then regurgitate it and pass it on to someone else, almost like sharing copies around. But I think that in this season, God is calling us to a whole different thing. It's almost like if he's taking our hard drives, like if I were to take this computer and completely reboot it, completely erase it, basically starting over the hard drive from scratch and filling it in with new memories, with new concepts, with new ideas. And that ultimately is, I think, living the lifestyle that God has called us to live in this season because that that's such a happy trigger word these days, right? You probably hear it all the time. All the time, like, yeah. what's, what's your mindset, bro? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like I go up to people and they're like, hey, bro, like I like your mindset, dude. Like, what are you thinking, bro? Like, oh, snap, that's such a good mindset. 
that's cool yeah what about lifestyles right like my mind is cool but what is my body what is my mind what 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 does my life really truly reflect and i think that you know on episode 25 here we're 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 settling into a concept that we're picking up i know it's been a while since we've um been out here i think the last podcast we recorded was when we were in bethel yeah, yeah. wasn't it yeah funny because we're bringing some fresh concept for you guys this week we're hopping straight into the waves we're we're hopping into something really deep in my opinion well what do you think just right off the bat before we even tell people things i i think one of the thing is that our podcast is into the waves and we have many times have said that we have to stay what wavy stay wavy okay but we as you know as a producers you know we we've been facing big waves yeah <laughs> Facts. Uh, you know it, it's it's kind of like you, know, you guys might hear us and be like oh man these guys are always <laughs> but like we're talking about you guys don't see the journey you, you see so yeah, yeah it's, a 20, it's a 25 that's good know, but Behind those 25, let's say if we summarize the hours of those 25, uh, it's not 25 hours, it will be like 35, 40. But behind that, that's what I'm talking about. Behind that, we need to have a lifestyle. We need to love what we do. And that's totally different story because we have faced big waves, but we're still here. But more so my question was about this topic that we're talking about oh, today. We're, it, let's not say anything because we, we yes. like to, but just initial impressions on what we're talking about today, initial gut feelings. Well, for, for me, it's like every time I sit down and, and do a podcast, it's like a new, it's like a new adventure. Something mm. or spirit, like I said I to you, what you're like, like I, I always said to you, look what's going to happen when you keep doing this. If you if I can see you five years from now, you you're not gonna be the same son. You're right. gonna carry a lot of word of God in your spirit. We together, yes, our yes, community, yes, all yeah. of you guys listening. Yeah. Yeah. So so can you imagine, you know, your message from now to five years? Because God is preparing you for something. That's the way I feel. Because when you say this season, and says what what season, what moment? The season we live in. We're creating a wave, you guys. We're, we're generating it. We're forming it. It's kind of like when we talked about the example of the soccer stadium. Right now, it's barely in its first couple. Like, you know, the little dominoes are barely. Eventually, the wave is going to be huge. We yes. don't, that's not up to us to decide. It nope. says that the first seek first the kingdom of God yes. and his righteousness. And let's just dive right into it this week. We're talking about, in my opinion, this guy is one of my favorite guys. We talk about him a lot. You guys might be able to guess. I think eventually over the course of the podcast, you guys will be like, man, this guy loves these top three people. The first one, as we already spent a couple episodes talking about him, is David. He's yeah. my number one on my, right. on my personal list as a worship leader, as yeah. a whatever. I just feel a good... Second, I was reflecting on this with my with my brother this morning. We were just chatting. I think I really do have to allow the prophet Samuel to take a certain special place in my heart. I mean, I think it only makes sense, right? So he'll go in number two. But I think uh, after those two guys, just because of obligations of job, I think it's more aligning with my calling. Uh, as far as lifestyle, mindset, who do I say, man, obviously after Jesus, number yeah. one, of course, mm -hmm. who do I look up to the most? It's who we're talking about today, mm -hmm. and that's Paul. Okay, yeah. It's the Apostle Paul, guys. He's he's the GOAT. He's one of, 
in my opinion, the most important writer of the New Testament. I, right. I can argue that. that, that that's other theolo- I, I've heard that yeah. other theologians state this, but I do genuinely am on the team believing that Paul and his perspective for the church is literally one of the freshest, one of the most unique, and one of the most, I think, um, it's oftentimes misinterpreted. There's so many interpretations on Paul's writings. The, everyone has an opinion on yeah. what the apostle said. If we talk to, not to throw any shots or anyone, but let's say people from Guatemala, Nicaragua, and we talk to them about the, what the concept of an apostle is, okay. they probably might differ yes. from what the apostle Paul himself might have said was an apostle. Yes. Let's talk to people, you know, let's not throw any shots, but we got a couple of prosperity preachers out there who maybe their definition of what the apostle is yeah. looks different. But again, not here to call any shots, but I genuinely do believe that so many people interpret Paul's yes. writings. And the reason why is because the way he structures them, mm-hmm. their letters, right? He's talking to a church. He's talking to a group of people. Of course, someone's going to raise their hand and be like, wait, Paul, I have a question. But that's not how letters work. You know, you can't just ask a question. You can't just tweet at the Apostle Paul. Hey, what do you think about I don't know, gay marriage, whatever. You can't go and ask the Apostle Paul about it. So that's why I do think that so many people misinterpret him. But as you guys should go and listen to some of our early podcasts on Paul so that you can really understand his mindset. And and we kind of to give a brief summary on it, Paul was an individual who grew up under the school of one of the most advanced rabbis of the time. In other words... Paul was one of the best, quote-unquote, you guys have heard of Pharisees. We've talked about them a lot in this podcast. Saul of Tarsus, that was his name prior to his name change. He was the number one guy on the list. We can can say he was the best of the best. The best. He was the best. He was the best. He was the goat at what he did. And what he did was persecuting Christians, these early group, these people who... Maybe they were at at, uh, um, the Mount Olives when Jesus preached and multiplied the fish and they were one of the people who received the fish and they were in their community sharing the word of God. Mm -hmm. Paul would go and literally get that guy and send him to prison to this place called the Sanhedrin where they would face trial Mm -hmm. and then he'd literally stone them. You guys can go read about it in the book of Acts, the stoning of Stephen. Stephen, There's literally these intense situations where Paul was, in other words, a killer. But now, the, what we're talking about today, specifically in the book of Hebrews, is such a unique perspective because he's writing a letter to the group of people that he once belonged to. It, it's people who were of his camp, people who at one point might have been the ones throwing the stones in the stoning of Stephen, might have been fellow members that he studied with when he was under the tutelage of the rabbi Gamaliel, could have been his peers, his co-workers, and now he's writing a letter to them. Why? How, how do we know this? Read, read the book, guys. The title of the book is literally Hebrews, and we know that, that Paul was a Jew by he nature. Was, yes. Right? Yes. That's, that's, that's pretty much he was writing to his co-fellow uh, citizens, his friends, his, his people that he knew. But he was writing with it with the intention, a different mindset. And it's interesting because, you know, again, we take the liberty to describe this mm-hmm. this chapter as being described and written by the Apostle Paul. It most likely was. 
But the reality is that the book of Hebrews, there's not truly a clear author into who described it, into who wrote it. It was primarily addressed to the church in, you know, in this case, the specific context of the church was it was the people who had turned away from Jewish conversion and were now leading into kind of being interested in kind of their leanings towards Christ, but now they were slowly starting to revert back to their old ways, mm. meaning that they were, again, becoming practicers of the law. Similar, It's as if basically Paul, everything that had happened to him and his whole transformation, he had initially recruited them. He had brought them along and been like, hey, let me show you the way of Christ. We're talking about people like Apollos, people like Bernabas, even Titus, mm -hmm. people who he had raised up. And now this church, because of Paul's imprisonment, that's why, again, we don't know who the clear author of the letter was. But now they're starting to turn back into their old ways. They're starting to revert back more into like Judaizers of the gospel. You guys remember yes. what the term Judaizers yes. were. It was basically like people who were just taking the law to the next level. And that's kind of like the context of the book of Hebrews is this church, this body of people, you know, theologians theorize that this letter was either sent to the capital city of Jerusalem uh -huh. or it was sent to Rome. Mm, okay. So it was essentially designed to infiltrate where there was a lot of people. So you can only think about the author's intention behind it being extremely, extremely intentional. But again, as we've been talking about in this series as the Bible as a companion, we're going to uncover one of the most like, not cliched, but man, How many sermons more, have we heard about this? More, one of the most popular, even the verses, the uh, scriptures that <laughs> if you go to Google, you go to YouTube, you will f see videos. And, and I mean, a lot. Go to church this Sunday or even walk into a church any day of the week. And I almost guarantee you, you'll hear a song. You'll hear a yes. preacher. You'll hear someone. They will quote that will something. quote or touch something upon the relationship of what Hebrews chapter 12 because that's specifically what we're going to be diving into, you guys, if you have your Bible to follow along today. Um, the verses that are riddled in there, and we're going to take a little bit of time unfolding those today. And so, again, we laid the context out for the story of what and who this letter is being written to. But again, remember, guys, that the church at the time, there was a lot of different things going on, right? As we mentioned, Paul was one of the main persecutors of the church. Do you guys think that as soon as Paul gave in his two weeks letter to the Roman Empire, to the Judaizers of the church, do you guys think that, oh, wow, Paul, Paul gave up. Man, the church won and Christianity was free? No, that's not at all the case, actually. If anything, persecution increased more. That, yes, that's what I was going to say, that we were talking about off podcast, that the, the context, the situation that this church was going through is a lot of persecution. Exactly. So that, that letter, it, it was so important. It was, people. it was coming in at a time where, again, like oh, I'm explaining, a lot of quote-unquote Christians were losing their, not losing their salvation, but they were reverting. Mm. They were giving their lifestyle. Perhaps at one point they were experienced, maybe some of them were members of the upper room. Yeah. And they, let's put it this way, they stopped praying in tongues. Mm. They stopped attending church. They stopped going to their services when their leader on, hit them on. up on Instagram or sent them a text message, they started ignoring their leaders. Come on, Let's come just on. say they got a little bit cold. 
Yes. You know, there was this in coldness. But in addition to that spiritual coldness, they were doing it because they were facing external factors. It was not cool to be a Christian at the time. Not really. Especially those, those times, no. Especially if you're in the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. right? You're in the middle of people practicing paganism, practicing idolatry. You might as well be like, mm, I lived a good life. I was brought out of Egypt where I used to be a slave and now I'm part of the Roman culture. Maybe I'll start wearing a little bit of makeup. Maybe I'll start putting on, maybe I'll start eating unclean foods. Who knows? Yes. But that's the context that this church finds themselves in. It's, it, it's, it's a time where, man, things are getting tough. And not only that, but Jesus has died. Yes. He's not even here anymore to, to reaffirm the message, to, to share the gospel. It's being recounted to, through people. Through, through people who have spent years, who have been a little bit battered, a little bit worn down, people like Luke, like Peter, like John, they're getting old in their ministry. There's young shots like Titus, Apollos. But reality is that the church is not in the best condition. Can, 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 we, can we put it that way? Definitely, definitely. And, and so, I mean, just being quite frank, quite honest, we can identify that totally with today. Uh, yes, I was going to uh, mention that because that's that's when, you know, when you were asking me, you know, when you feel those, you know, up and downs, when you face tribulation, when you face th- those things, that's when it's easy to go back to the old ways. It's easy to really, you know, you say you doubt that what you have from God, maybe it's not true. Maybe it's not the reality. So, so the Hebrews, they were experiencing that. They were experiencing that. And Really, the letter the letter here in Hebrews is has come to confront them. Has mm. come to kind of like <laughs> it's a little bit intense. It has a little bit of a tone. It is. Honestly, you know, theologians. This is one commentary that I read because the reason why they're unclear as to the author in all his other letters, Paul says greeting, salutation. Yes. So, so it's in it's against Paul's style in yes. this letter. But I think it's intentional because think we're about to read what he starts talking about and we're going to dive into what the concept is. It's not the funnest of concepts to talk about. And and let's say uh, Romans, when he's talking about perfect love, casting out all fear, that's a good feel-good message, right? He, he <laughs> Paul can say, for nothing can ever separate us from the love of yeah, Christ nor yeah, death. Yeah. Nor, yeah, Paul's like, yeah, I'm, I, I wrote yes. this guy. The, yep, this is my quote. This is my quote, guys. He's taking credit for that one. But what we're reading today, it's a little bit of a more confrontational situation. So we're, we're going to dive into that today. And we're reading Hebrews chapter 12. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and that the sin that so easily entangles our bodies and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Man, that's a good scripture right there, y'all. That's a good introduction. Hey, let's close it. Bam. Oh, man. That'll preach. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's let's all lift our hands and start worshiping the band. But let's keep reading for a second. It says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, Consider him who endured such a position from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
We'll pause right there for a second, right? Because like how we said, a lot of us want to pause at, at fixing our eyes. The author, the pioneer, the perfecter. Yeah. I have faith. Good. That's my Jesus. Yes. That's my God. Mm-hmm. But then it also goes on and brings us into a very beautiful dichotomy that we're going to spend a little bit of time exploring today. And um, sort of in preparation for the podcast, um, I got to listen to a sermon from, is he an evangelist? It, I know we were talking about it off podcast. Uh, Charles Hudrow. Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon. Charles I'm Spurgeon. sorry. Is, oh. Was he an evangelist? Is that his title? Uh, we can say that, yeah. Well, just for a little bit of context, yeah. I was listening to a sermon preached in the year 1849 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from a man named Charles Spurgeon who was on the cusp of the reformation of the church in a time period where so many different thoughts and so many branches and things of even to this day the reason why there's so many denominations like presbyterian yes. lutherans baptist all of that stuff uh in this case charles Spudro was in the time where he was confronting these systems and he shared a message on how this very specific verse in this scripture is oftentimes so misused and so misinterpreted because we don't take the time to reflect on where it says for the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne. We're going to open that up a little bit here because it says that Jesus endured the cross. That's not a fun word, guys. It, it, to, to endure something means that you've, it, it's not like, oh man, I accomplished. Enduring and accomplishing are two different things. Okay. Because if you've endured it, it's typically in the context of struggle. It's in the context of a battle. It's in the context of testing, for example, an athlete. You use the word endurance. A physical endurance is when your body meets its edge, it meets its limitation, and you're pushing your body to its edge. You're confronting yourself. That's what the word endurance, it says that Jesus endured the cross. He didn't just put it on his shoulder lightly and man, the angels came and lifted up the back of it so that way when Jesus was walking through, he can look all beautiful and majestic. It says he endured the cross and he scorned its shame. That's deep, y'all. How many times have you gone through life and you felt shame? We were just talking about it a little bit earlier when you go through seasons of life and you might feel like that shame that, that separates you from God. Put yourself in, the, in, this, in these shoes for a second. Jesus, you know, before we don't need to get any graphic. You guys can go watch The Passion of Christ if you want a visual representation of it. But the reality is that the Roman method of execution by crucifixion yes. was the worst, yes. most humiliating, mm-hmm. lowest form of punishment that you could give to an individual within the Roman. Yes. Literally, you were seen as a scum. You were seen yeah. as like... People literally, as you were walking, could come and spit on you, could, even if they wanted to, do their necessities on you. Do Like, the worst is most, na- that's what he's what we're saying when it says the scorn yes. and the shame. Charles Spurgeon takes the time and he, he opens this thought up following saying, so many times as Christians, we go through life and we th- think about the shame that we carry. We think, oh man. I watched pornography today. Man, I I, I shouldn't have done it. And nah, I shouldn't go read my Bible because God's going to condemn me. Mm. Or, oh man, 
I was at the gym and man, I was doing this and doing that. And you know what? Someone came up to me and I accidentally got really mad at them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, why are you in my way, bro? What are you doing? You know, you let that anger bubble up. Yep. And you think that, man, that anger separates you from God. And the reality is that, you know, and this was a beautiful reflection from a man in 1849 saying that there is no amount of shame, no amount of pain, no amount of endurance that you could ever go through, no amount of persecution, no Mm -hmm. amount of condemnation, no amount of shame that Jesus did not already have to go through. So why do you compare yours to his? It's deep, guys. It it, it is deep. I was listening to this and I was like, "Woo!" I feel a little bit of some holy conviction there. (laughs) Don't you think? (laughs) And you you said, you know, if you want to have like a uh, really a picture, you said, you know, go to see the Passion of Christ. Those days when they crucified him, it was all um, naked. Naked, exactly. And like you said, people will will say things. I mean, like the worst thing can happen to somebody. Now, one almost the, like being canceled in today's culture. Oh, well, crucifix canceling is the new form yeah. of crucifixion. Now, it it it, it was not instantly that people will 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 die. It was it was, it, it was a suffering. There's this yes. concept within the, theology that I've um, started exploring. It's a really deep concept for you guys. I recommend the concept of Jesus is known as he is the son of suffering. Mm-hmm. That's deep yeah. right there. And that's what, what the author of Hebrews is trying to draw our eyes to that. One of the, also you mentioned uh, Charles uh, Spurgeon. As a matter of fact, I have a, um, a Bible um, that all the commentaries are from Charles Spurgeon. Also, um, there is another uh, from the from the eighties, if I'm not mistaken. It's called Andrew Murray. He has, Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray. He has a book about the schools of suffering of Christ. But Just to listen the title, huh? It's deep. I mean, like the suffering of Christ. Because th- here's the thing: we're over here talking about suffering, talking about blood and tears. But the reality is that oftentimes in in at least me growing up, mm-hmm. the church got so locked into that revelation of the suffering, the suffering. You need to repent and look at the look at the cross and look at look at his blood and look at that. You need, you should be ashamed. You should feel this and yes. that. But the reality is that verse three of Hebrews chapter twelve says that he scorned his shame. But there's a there's a caveat here. Mm-hmm. It says and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse three. Check this out. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. This is the turn. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, what's happening here, the author is getting us to understand is yes. And also Charles Spurgeon in this amazing deep revelation, trying to get us to understand that there is nothing we can ever do that will compare to that. To, 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 that, to that deep revelation of what happened at the cross. And the fact that what Jesus chose to do for us is this concept that has been lost in our modern day culture a lot, but I, I grew up in learning this a lot. And maybe for some of your list, our listeners, you guys, this might be a fresh concept or you guys might have heard it and maybe it's a while since you've heard it. But Jesus, what he was doing is he was acting as what is known as an intercessor mm. in between humanity And honestly, the outcome that was meant for us, it says that no one is worthy of the grace of God. 
we all fall short of the grace of God. Paul himself says that of all the sinners, I am the biggest one because we all fall short of the grace. But what Jesus chose to do, and in this passage, it says that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is currently interceding on your behalf. You, listener, that you're listening to this right here, right now, newsflash, Jesus is up in heaven. And you, this might be your first time hearing Jesus, or it might be your 200,000th time, but it's still the same. He's currently at the right hand, interceding for all of humanity. And this act of intercession, we were exploring this yesterday off podcast, but I'd love if you can kind of just give a brief definition before we jump into this next part of where we really want to land with this, but of how it's important because what we're going to be talking about today relates to this concept, not of suffering, but to this concept of what it means to allow yourself to be endured, to kind of let your life go through a little bit of testing. Let your life go through a little bit of pushing. You can talk to how the gift of intercessory and what the role that that plays in the life of a Christian and why that's literally like the gym for Christians. Could you could you say it that way? Well, I know that's what we were talking about. I, I just want you to share that with our listeners because you're someone who has more than over 20 years of intercessory experience. So if you were to summarize what the role of the intercessor is and in a way that can be just apply it to our lives. I feel like that would be so helpful before we even jump into this next part. Well, yes, yes I, I'm going to summarize it in very, very short. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, you know, especially uh, in, in, in Jeremiah, God said, I look among the people of somebody that was going to stand in the gap between God and the, and the if I'm going to say, in the sinners. Okay? Somebody. God was looking of somebody that, can be right there in the middle. And he said, I found no one. Got it. I found no one, no one, no one, no one. Now, Jesus. Which is why in this scripture it says that Jesus had to be the pioneer. Yes. In other words, he came in to create this system that you're about to explain. Yeah. So he is the ultimate. The author. The author. Correct. Intercessor. That's, created and, and, it. Yes, and, and, and uh, even uh, even another uh, uh, Paul said that he's the mediator between God and men. So he's in the middle, and if we if we can put like a context in in the first uh, verses that you just read, chapter twelve of Hebrews, yeah, chapter twelve and and verse one especially, Paul is, is talking about a race. Correct. Right. He's talking about, he's talking about endurance, and he's talking about since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is language alluding to Olympic competitions in yes. which athletes would engage in races, in wrestling. So this language that Paul is that using, was the context. he's bringing them into like, hey, we're in the middle of a sporting event. Yeah. I, I like I like to see I, in one of my favorite movies that sometimes I, I hope that, I hope my, uh, the listener don't get but I like to see the gladiator with Russell Crowe yes that's a good movie yes I like to see it because I can see the big stadium. the amphitheater yes yeah when I see the movie I see you know the crowd yes I yeah. remember the scripture the cloud but it says that all the cloud of witness is referring in chapter eleven. The, the old, Correct. The, the, right? the people of the Old Testament. The people of the, the Old Testament. witnessed and experienced the faithfulness of God. Yeah. They did not have Jesus as okay. we have it. Okay. Right? So 
they kind of like, you know, they're in, in the stadium looking. Looking to who? Looking to you. <laughs> looking to me. Now, Paul is talking about a race, okay? What is the race that is before us? That's the question. I ask myself, what is the race? Now, he's talking about that somebody, okay, when, when we are in the middle of, of the game, okay, who are you going to look to? At, in every race, if you've ever gone into a marathon, there's one person running at the front of the race. You see? In other words, the leader of the pack. The leader. Somebody, somebody that knows how to win. In this case, the author of Hebrews, speculating Paul, calls him a pioneer. Pioneer. And a perfecter. Someone who can clearly model the way. He, he will tell you how to finish the race. Because it says here that he is the one who went, went before him, setting it as joy. He, he, in other words, Jesus created the path, paved the path of what we've been talking about throughout this entire topic leading up to this, a lifestyle. Because if we reflect on the writings of Paul as he's in writing his last couple verses, he says, for I have ran a good race. Remember when Paul yes, says that? Yes, yes. He says that for I have ran the good race and endured all things. In other words, when you think about the metaphor of a race as we're talking about right here and we bring our readers into this context, that there's two questions here. Are you going to be a spectator to mm. the sport or are you going to be a participant? <laughs> wow, that's a good one. Of the race. Because you could be part of the great cloud of witnesses, sure. But the reality is that that specific title pertained to a very specific group of people. Yes. Today, as we're going to dive into, we're going to go ahead and keep reading chapter 4 because this is where we're getting to a transition from not only being spectators to being participators of the race. It says this, right? Because we're over here talking about a race. But now let's give this race an extremely specific name. Go ahead. You, Ready? I like it. It says this. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Mm -hmm. Verse 4 calls us out right there, guys. He's, it, the author is saying, hey, guys, so this is the race that you're running, actually. You want to know what, what's the goal? The goal is following Jesus into a lifestyle of maturity mm. into which sin no longer affects you we're gonna break that down but keep that in the back of your head we've spent 25 episodes guys i can confidently say that up to this point <laughs> talking about two things sin and jesus and it's still the same topic that we're talking about today but look at what it's saying it said we have not shed blood in other words hey you guys are barely scratching the surface of what it means to endure of what it means to face sin. Yeah, you know what? Maybe, yeah, you, you hang out with your friends and you get peer pressured into drinking. We can you, say it. And you take a couple <laughs> shots. Oh, that's cute, man. You haven't faced nothing <laughs> nope. yet, buddy, let me tell you, mm -mm. right? It, not to scare anyone, but hey, tough times are coming, y'all. Yeah. You see it on social media these yeah. days. You could say anything and your whole life could go downhill. We saw it with Johnny Depp. An actor, famous, mm, loved yeah, actor, recently, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, you yeah, think, yeah. man, that's, he's such a great actor. Yeah, Willy Wonka, yeah. awesome guy. From the words of a couple people stacked up against him, it turned a whole, even his fans, it turned like people against him to the point where he had to fight 
tooth and nail just to clear his name. Wow. Think about what might happen to you. You know, we haven't shed any blood yet is what the author of Hebrews yep. is telling us. And look at what he says, verse five. And you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. Whoa. Now, now it looks like it's going to get deep. He, he, he changed He's now. flipping it on yeah, us. Yeah, he, he did. Because he's saying, yeah, you know what? Uh, we ran a good race. And often, like we said, a lot of people end their message there. But now the author is bringing us into a very, very specific relationship. At the beginning, we were runners running a race. But here's the truth, right? When you're, when you're training for a marathon, you need to have a good coach. It's good. Because if you don't have a good coach, whether it be YouTube you know, whether it be some apps, whether it be influencers, you need a coach yes. to teach you how to run, to teach you what to do. In this case, they didn't have the word coach back then, probably. So the closest thing to a coach was the relationship between a father and a son. Even these days, some mm. of the best, some of the best boxing combos, wow. some of the best boxing duos is a father and a son dynamic. Oftentimes they say that that never works. Actually, what and the boxing? Uh, yes, really? in the boxing world, for example, um, right now, one of the most prominent fighters who just won a fight this weekend, his name is Ryan Garcia. I don't know if you saw the highlights. No, he's a light heavyweight, uh, currently undefeated, 23 and 0 now, uh -huh. um, has a record for crazy knockouts, amazing athlete. There was an interview that I was watching, and he said that he grew up with his dad, he built his gym in the back for him. You know, everything. His dad. His dad. Okay. His physical yeah. dad yeah, yeah. gave everything for him, would always be there. But since the moment that he started training and taking boxing seriously and they said, this kid has potential, his dad said, I can't be the one training him. Mm. Why? Because the relationship that a dad has with their son is extremely intimate. Yes, it is. Here, the author of Hebrew is saying, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? Encouragement. He's not saying correction. He's not saying, um, like, the person, uh, uh, and that's why, again, Ryan Garcia's dad, to bring that example, he says that I never wanted to ruin my relationship with my son because mm -hmm. of what I would have had to say to push him to the next level. Wow. So from the moment that Ryan Garcia has been young, his dad has always been in his corner, but he's never been his coach. Why? Because the relationship between a father and a coach is two different things. Mm. <laughs> here here they lived in an athletic context wow, 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 wow. right they were sitting next to the greeks and the romans some of the most athletically advanced people but yet the author of hebrews is choosing to say have you forgotten the word of encouragement from your dad who's always been in your corner you know can can can, can we pause and you know for a moment because we in these days we hear you know a lot of people talking about being a coach right sure you know you mm. know you need a coach you need a coach you need a life coach oh. mindset coach <laughs> i just want to leave it like that <laughs> Let's not get we're, deep. We're, we're, we're we're gonna get deep in this stuff because i mean we're yeah. talking about something deep you know i'm, I'm i hope you know those you know people that are if you guys you know, are coaches coach, good, don't get good, triggered good. yeah no, don't get but, triggered no i encourage you to keep doing what you do right, right but but just open your heart and open your mind because The way we're going to see it, you're going to, going to go from coach to a father. Right. It's way different. It's way different. You just, you just put the, the very nice illustration about this couple. 
they're not a couple it's a father no. and son you know <laughs> that'd be a little sus if they yeah. were if they were a couple but like the author of of hebrews is also getting us to understand this relationship that the way that a son and a father act is different mm-hmm. and again we've been talking about this concept saying that jesus is the son mm-hmm. of god we, we, if you choose to identify yourself as a Christian, the number one step you took when you gave your life to Jesus is you told him, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I recognize that you are the Son of God who died for my sins. You gave him that place of a son. And as we're talking about Jesus being the leader of this race, what is the lifestyle he's leading us into? The lifestyle of a son. Yes, definitely. Because it's what he modeled. It's what he lived. And literally... Even up until the moment of his death, he said, "Father." Whoa, 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 whoa! It was come his, on. It was it was the way he did. <laughs> he lived thirty three years, yes. and from day one to day zero, the last day, the relationship was not God. It wasn't Elohim. It come wasn't on, come on, come on. Emmanuel. Come on! Even though he was Jesus and he was God, he was the Son of God. And so he chose to call him father. Wow. And, and that's the lifestyle that he's leading us into. And the book of Hebrews reflects and he says, look at, look at, let's pay attention to this, guys. Now that we've explored what it means of how we're to be called to be sons, the biblical instruction for us to be sons and daughters, you know, because we love both sons and daughters. That's what we are. We're sons and daughters of the Most High King. It says, look at what uh, verse five says, my son. My daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. (laughs) Come on, guys. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. That's deep, guys. It is deep. I mean, all right, guys, I'm sitting here with my physical dad, right? And let's just be honest. Check this out, guys. Ready? My wife might get a little bit mad with this one. How many times did you hit me as a kid? Uh, top of my mind. If you could say. Probably less than 10 times. Got it. And the reason why I asked that is because, let's be real, why is it only that you hit me less than 10 times? Why? Because probably that's when, uh, when, I, when I did it. No, like why did because let's say some of our listeners might be like, man, my, my dad probably hit me yeah, hundreds more, more of times. Th- Why yeah. did you only hit me that you can remember? Probably less than 10. Why? Because I agree. I don't remember you hitting me that often. So now the question is why? In this case, there's a father-son relationship. Yes. Why? Because I was trying to discipline, if in the sense that I, that's kind of like I knew how to discipline to hit you. Right. You were trying to show discipline but the reality is that oftentimes we come in with this conception thinking that hey or maybe because of our trauma because of we've lived to that the father when we come to him is going to come and abuse us yes that that his form of discipline is coming in and he's going to be like hitting you with the belt hitting you Uh with the gancho hitting you with the other things but the reality is that a true, in my opinion, the relationship of a father. And again, how this author of Hebrews is getting us to understand is he's getting him to understand, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. 
there's this element of love to the correction. It's not a correction coming like you would never, like a most responsible parents should. They don't abuse their kids. No. That's not the purpose here. The purpose of discipline is in love. I'm not a parent, so you might be able to add a little bit of a depth of a layer nuance here that we might be able to understand a little so, bit better. So my perspective of loving you, to uh, because when it says discipline also says correction, my action to to trying to make discipline is to, because it's an act of, if, if we call it love, that you can become better. Right. But... But that's my perspective as a dad. Because you're doing it with the intention. With the intention. To correct. Correct. To then lead into better. Into better. But the difference is how is your perspective? From. As a son. As you receive. That's, that's what the author of yes, Hebrews as you is receiving. asking us. Correct. Yes. Yes. He's saying. It, he's asking us. Have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. He's try the author is trying to get us to understand the following. And he, he breaks it down in verse seven, Hebrews chapter 12, where it says, endure hardship as discipline. That that's what he's getting us to understand. He's getting us to say, Hey, those times that Jesus, that Jesus and the disciples that we don't read about in, in the book, mm -hmm. that's hardship. It, it is. We were talking about you took, it took you an hour bus ride. It took them days yes. to walk. That's hardship. In other words, Jesus himself was living a disciplined mm. lifestyle. You might ask yourself how that lady asked herself in the hospital, why is God doing this to me? Because right here in Hebrews chapter 7, God is the, the author and through the Holy Spirit is telling us that God gives you hardships to discipline you. But he's disciplined you in love. So oftentimes we think, man, I don't feel God's love in this. But the reality is that is when you're walking through your hardest battles, that's when you should feel God's love the most. It is. My pastor said this this weekend, Pastor Gene, he said, or two weekends ago, he said, desperate times make for desperate people. Mm -hmm. And desperate people know how to hunger for God. Mm, wow. In other words, here when, when Hebrews chapter 7, he's saying, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, by the way, is what he's saying. He's saying, hey, discipline is mandatory. You yeah. guys got to go through it. He's saying, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. I like the word legitimate. I like that word legitimate. Right? Because that's... It's going against the spirit of orphan and going against the spirit of adoption. It's what we talked about in our podcast last week. And, and you know what? I'm going to put it very strong. Um, I'm going to say it in, in, in uh, Spanish. You can translate. Yeah. Uh, un hijo bastardo. That's deep. Okay. We all know that that is a bad word. It is. Even in context in us. But like to be a bastard child means you are born out of wedlock. You have, it's a confusing relationship. If you guys identify with this there's so many dysfunctional families being born as a result of that. You're so right there. That's He's drawing it, us to that relationship. To that relationship. Because he's saying that you are then an illegitimate yes. child. <laughs> Whereas if you allow God to come in, if you, as he is saying, endure the hardship as a discipline, then you are going through this process where you are being refined and you are being adopted into the family because again how how the author of hebrews is saying is that hey 
sorry guys, but if the dad can't hit you, he might as well not even call you his son. He, you need to be willing to receive that correction. But it's beautiful because the Lord, and this is what it says in six, is in Hebrews twelve six, because the Lord disciplines the one He loves. Yes, it's all out of love. And remember how it how we started off this podcast. We wanted to end it on that feel good verse because the truth of the matter is that there there is hope in this. It's not a negative posture. It's not a posture of every time I come to my father, I'm a afraid of how he's going to hurt me he's not hurting me he's healing me he's restoring me in that process the wounds are not meant to hurt as it continues he says verse 9 moreover we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it how much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live He's drawing back and he's asking you this question. He's asking me this question. The Bible is asking yeah. us to think about our earthly fathers. Yeah. And let me, and I'll speak into the, you know, because I've had a great earthly father. I've had a very good example of what that is, but maybe you haven't. Mm-hmm. And maybe you struggle with what it's like to embrace and to feel that love. And maybe you hold anger. Maybe you hold frustration. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Maybe you hold what we're about to explore in this Mm -hmm. next verse called bitterness Mm -hmm. in your heart. And the reality is that the author of Hebrews is getting us to draw back on those relationships and understand that even in that, you respected your father. You can speak into this directly. Let's say up to this day, have you ever disrespected your father? I'm going to share uh, a, a uh, memory. It's something that happened to me. Yeah. Okay. When I was when I was a child, when my dad, uh, you know, he lived. I remember he came to our house and uh, he came and he asked me to bring a a, a water. Okay. I water. was playing. I was playing. And I didn't want to do it. Okay. And he called me, please bring me the water. First time. Second time. Third time. On the third time, he screamed at me loud, okay? And I said, I don't want to do it. When I said, I don't want to do it, he he got up. He went straight to me. And you know what he did? He grabbed me like this. And I said, you need to obey. And, and when he grabbed me, I said a bad word. Mm. I said a bad word. Yeah. Okay? And when I said the bad word, okay, he slapped me on the face. I'm talking about I was seven and then, yeah. Okay? yeah. We probably all have some experiences okay. like that. He slapped me on the face at the extreme that uh, me rompió el labio. My, he my drew lip. blood. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. That is a bit abusive okay. for sure, probably. Okay. Yeah. But that experience, that showed me that I, 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 the way I see this, I learned that bad words, they were not right. Right. So I grew up not saying bad words. I know it's a bad example. You developed a bit, again, it's drawing on this relationship of respect, but the reason why I bring this up is because your father passed away when you were how old? Nine. So even if your earthly father is not here, think about how someone like you reads this scripture yes. and where, he, where the author of Hebrews is asking us to say, reflect on your earthly yes. father's Man, I don't even want to think about that guy. The truth is that here the author is getting us to understand that you do have the ability 
to be adopted into a new family, regardless of your outcome, regardless of your past, even if you had the best father in the world, yep. we all still need to undergo the discipline of God. Why? Because he loves us. And he continues to say this, right? Verse 10, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. In this case, your dad in that moment, he thought that was best. Was the best, yes. But check this out. Here's the big difference of our earthly fathers and the father that we have up in heaven. It says, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. In other words, the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, look, guys. Your earthly father doesn't matter because the reality is that you have a father who perhaps he instructed you. And in that case, your dad hit you because he didn't want you to disrespect him. That's for his benefit. Yeah. And in my case, for me, maybe those 10 times that I got hit, it was because I was doing something that was frustrating you or annoying you. I think about my mom all the time. <laughs> and a lot of the times that I got hit by oh. my mom, it was probably because I was irritating her or getting on her nerves. For their benefit, the correction comes, is what it says. But here's the thing. Our father up in heaven, he gains nothing from correcting us. Mm. <laughs> wow. What, what, what do you give a God that's perfect? Yep. You can't. There's nothing, again, drawing back to that concept of spud row, of how this constant infinite feeling of we'll never be able to pay God back. It's meant to be that way. So those moments where you feel like, man, I'm so far, I'm so, I can't, I can't, I can't, that is simply a lie from the enemy coming yes. in to tell you the following. He is planting what we are about to explore as the root of bitterness yes. in your heart. It's like a wedge trying to be driven in between you and your heavenly father. Because the one thing that if we reflect back on the garden for a second, just temporarily, in the first 25 episodes of the podcast, Genesis chapter 3 was a concept that we would constantly revisit. And we're going to revisit it one more time here today because when Adam and Eve fell, the number one thing that entered into their life was the following. It says, for I was afraid and I hid. In the same way today, many times the enemy, what he is trying to do is lead us into a lifestyle pulled so away from God that we are afraid to turn to him so the point where we hide from the father where we live a lifestyle filled with so many things where hey we go throughout and say oh man I would love to go to church this weekend but man I'm too busy mm -hmm. or maybe I was invited to hang out at a small group man, nah I don't gotta have time for that what are you running from or maybe I'm too bad Hey, uh, I listen. Uh, I was out there last night. Music. I was out there last night turning up. I was yep. dancing to Bad yep. Bunny. I was wearing a mini skirt. I had a tight dress on. And man, I don't think there's a Jesus who loves me. He, he would not be proud of me. That's a lie, guys. I'm here to tell you right here, right now, something that I learned in this past week when I was sharing at Bethel. And that's that the following thing. And this is the concept that we're going to break into here in, um, in Hebrews 12, 12. It says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Yes. Right? When, 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 when you're afraid, uh, I'll th let's ask you this way. When you're about to, because do you like roller coasters or not? I don't like it. Okay. Nope. When you're about to get on a roller coaster, what do you feel? <laughs> I feel fear. 
I don't want to go. You feel feeble arms. Yes. And you feel weak knees. Yes. You feel like everything's about to come under you. You're, you're weak in fear what it My is. My body starts shaking. Fear, as we were talking about yesterday, is a pathological reaction yes. to the point where you think a thought and then your body reacts to it. Same thing with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Same thing with depression. It's these things that we're trying to get us to understand in this episode that we need to shift from changing our mindsets to changing our lifestyles. Mm, wow, because, that's good. Because there's a difference between feeble arms and weak knees. That's a physical ailment. That's something that your body experiences, not something that your mind experiences. But oftentimes, fear, and the devil is in, he's smart. It says that he is a cunning adversary. So we need to be wise in how we treat. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, he planted two things in their life. But the main thing that it was, was that he created a separation between humanity and God. As we reflected, the Garden of Eden was a representation of the innermost presence of God. In the garden, located within the town called Eden, located within the earth, this big giant yes. earth that we were talking about earlier, the stars, the rivers, the mountains, God designed this entire place for one purpose, for us to be close with him. And throughout time, the enemy, and even just sometimes ourselves, let's be honest, our own decisions that we're about to break into and explore, we create this divide. But look at what, he, look at what it says. It's a physical separation feeble arms and weak knees and look at the instruction 12 13 says this and i love this it says make level paths for your feet what does it say uneven shaky nope wobbly nope i've googled this on wikipedia and google that type of foundation no it's saying make level paths for your feet mm. In other words, surround yourself with counsel and surround yourself with people that are level-headed. Yeah, we're called to love everyone, but maybe you shouldn't be spending so much time on YouTube listening to conspiracy theories or listening to these quote-unquote prophetic words talking about the end times and talking about all these things. Maybe you don't need to spend so much time reading that and maybe you need to spend more time instructing yourself on what's the one true way when it talks about making level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. heal yeah that's what this is right here this bible right mm -hmm. here this is the only and one true way where you can trust and you can know that whatever you read from here will never lead you astray or have you in your 25 years ever read something in here nope. that's led you astray this is the truth it's the that, truth. That's that's at the end of the day, that's the truth. Is it the truth only when you feel good? Is it the truth only when no. you got $20,000 in the bank account? That's in change. That's Even, powerful. That's in change. Even you have a lot of money, don't have it, it's not going to change. It's still the truth. It's the truth. And let's go ahead and dive into what the clear instructions are that we're receiving from the author of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Wow. Here we see that 
God is calling us to an upright conduct, to a lifestyle that is filled with holiness. And you might ask yourself, man, holiness sounds real boring. It, it, it sounds very um, mystic. It sounds very high of the way I, we live in this day. Holy is too much. It's too much. Too much. I'm talking to you right now, Pastor Robert. Nah, man. I, 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 can't, I can't dress. I can't only wear robes. I can't just let my hair grow out and grow a beard out and <laughs> wear sandals. I got to get a fresh fade, man. Does that make me not holy? You need to put a suit on Sundays. I know, huh? I like wearing a suit and, man, only watching Christian shows and only watching VeggieTales and only listening to Cristo yo te amo. Man, that, that's too much for me, Pastor Robert. Does that mean that I'm not holy? <laughs> that's what we. That's kind of like the hard part, you know, because when we see those letters, it, it, it's so high that we cannot reach especially the church has done a great job of i know we were giving the devil a lot of credit earlier for separating god and humanity but the reality is that now again i don't want to step on any toes here forgive me if you feel interpreted but for too many times we've pushed out the very people that should be in church because of what they wear because of what they dress Come on. because of how they speak Come because on. of what they talk but the reality is that here when God, when he, the author of Hebrews is talking about holiness, I think he's talking about what holiness truly means. And I would like for you to break that down for us. How do you define holiness? Well, I'm just going to put it this way. We all have received holiness, okay, through Jesus Christ. We have received it. But one, th one thing is to, to have it, and all it means that you walk holy okay because and it says that with the holiness you cannot see god when it's talking about see god it's like we're, we're looking at each other so in other words I'm that present. relationship yes. of a father yes. and a son will never that, happen until, if i can't see you yes until you decide to walk holy your presence his presence sorry his presence align yes you guys can be in communion with each other because check this out, guys. When Jesus was at the cross, shocker alert, you might not have known this or not, but even on the cross, it says that the Father had to turn his heart away from the Son. Yes. For one thing and one thing alone, the weight of sin. Yeah. Jesus bore our sin to the point where it says that the Father had to turn his eyes away from humanity, which is why he is currently seated at the right hand so that that never has to happen again. So that, so that the father will never ever have to see what he saw in that moment and turning his face. Every time he looks at you, you know what he sees, guys? He sees Jesus. Yes. One preacher put it this way. One put, uh, he said, um, when the father turned his back to Jesus, it was the last time that the Father wow. turned the back to humanity. That's beautiful. That's the way this preacher put it this way. So do not believe that God is gonna, has turned his back onto you. Ever. That's nope. so good. It's impossible. It, it, it's, it'll never happen. It, here the author of Hebrews is saying, and see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God 
that it, yes, we can go and spend 10 years, 15 years going and studying theology and debating the dispensation of grace and pondering on these deep thoughts of, man, what is God's grace? What does it mean to us? Here on this podcast, we're here to share with you guys in boldness and in because we've walked that the grace of God is as simple as that truth yeah. that we're sharing yes. right here. And the grace of God is sufficient. Is sufficient Come on. to help you to walk a holy life. His grace is enough. You've heard that before. We're truly showing you and telling you yeah. guys here how his grace is enough. Not just a quote that you can repeat nope. to yourself when you're going through a hard time or when you want to go in your car and you're singing, his grace is enough. No, no, no. His grace was enough because of the sacrifice, because of the endurance, because you have someone who has been running a race for you for over 2,000 years and is currently seated at the right hand of the Father, continuing to lead the way, continuing to lead the path to the point where he says this, and this is the number one thing that the author of Hebrews is cautioning us against because it's so deep, it's part of human DNA, and it's the following. He says, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Man, man, man. That, 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 that's a big thing. This root of bitterness that we're about oh. to uncover, guys, is we're, there's, there might even be a countless a Q&A episode. I think we're going to cause a lot of questions with this concept. But bear with us for a second as we explore what, what this root of bitterness means. As we were debating, or not debating, as we were sharing off podcast. Let's draw ourselves back into Genesis 3 for a second, for a moment. And we're talking about how when fear first entered the world mm -hmm. along with sin. But there's one other component here that, again, we're reading the New Testament, guys. This is not Old Testament. This is years, years, years after what happened in the events at Eden. And yet this event is brought back up because when we talk about what this bitter root is, the, the word bitter is being used extremely intentionally here because of what it represents and because of what it means. But specifically to what it's drawing us here is one specific thing. Bitterness represents pride and it represents animosity towards God and towards others. Very good. That's, that's what this concept of bitterness is, right? It talks in the scriptures about a land that flows milk and honey. That's the opposite of bitter. That is what is known as sweet. The sweet, yeah. And so when we discover what this root of bitterness is, now, let's, let's take a quick example going into agriculture and thinking about this, right? When, when you go up to a tree, and let's say it's an apple tree, and you grab a nice Fiji apple, a nice crispy apple, you look at it, and the fruit looks nice, and you pick it off the tree, and you munch on it. Man, that was a great apple. How many times do you sit and think about the root of that apple that you ate? I don't. I don't think about where it was planted. I don't think about what kind of water it was being watered with. I don't think about the gardener that was tending the, to the plant. Of the I just think about the fruit. Mm -hmm. and that's the pattern of humans. With that, that's the way we work. In this case... The serpent in Genesis 3 came to Eve and offered it to her in the form of a fruit. 
But the specific fruit that he said, he said it with this caveat. He said, whoever eats of the fruit will be like God. In other words, here, if we, if you know, you don't have to go and study much theology, but in case you're wondering, there's this guy called Lucifer, yeah. who was originally Satan. Before Satan existed, there was Lucifer, and Lucifer, he was the worship leader of heaven, let's put it that way. But one day, this worship leader decided, hey, you know what? The senior pastor, is, his sneakers are too cool. That senior pastor, man, he's way too anointed and way too gifted. How come I don't have what the pastor has? And this worship leader went up to the pastor and told him, hey, give me what you have right now. To give it to me because I want it and it belongs to me. What do you think the senior pastor did? <laughs> Bye. You're fired. <laughs> Essentially. But in this concept, when this worship leader was fired, it delved us into one of the longest, most historical conflicts that humanity has been facing since the dawn of time. We encountered our adversary. And this adversary via Eve introduced this root of bitterness yes his internal bitterness think about it this worship leader got rejected he got fired and he brought down a third of the staff with yes, him yes yes yes. so he brought people that were hyping him up people mm -hmm. that supported him so now he constantly lives in this cycle trying to draw more people into his kingdom to tell him yeah you're the best yeah you're good yeah you're awesome yeah you're great because he's so filled with bitterness because he was never able to be like god but guess what when you have a root it's very hard to remove it have you ever tried removing a root from the ground it's hard let's think about it's that crazy. apple tree we're we're real comfortable eating the fruit but many times we don't think about the about the root that tree perhaps was planted for over a hundred years mm -hmm. and it's still giving fruit today but the truth is that a hundred years ago had that root not properly been tended had that root not properly been watered? Go ahead. Had it been yes. not properly nurtured? Had there not been a gardener coming in and pruning the tree? Yes. Trimming the leaves off of it, allowing the weeds that when they would come around uh -huh. it to protect that tree. Had that tree never undergone a process of pruning, cultivation, purification, and being in the garden with the gardener, it would have never been able to eat the fruit. It's the same thing with our lives So here. it means you will taste the apple in a different taste. If that, that tree would most likely never even give fruit. Mm -hmm. Because if it was properly rooted, if it didn't receive enough water, if it was mixed up within the trees and all this sort of stuff, it was garbage, if it didn't receive enough sunlight, you would have never been able to eat that apple. That apple doesn't make it to Safeway. That apple doesn't make it to Costco. It dies in the orchard. So the question here is when we're asking ourselves this concept of this, right? It goes back and it engages and it says that no bitter root grows up in our lives. The question here today is what things have sprung up in your life that need to be pruned? Mm. What are the areas in your life where perhaps maybe there was a seed planted? Oh, I grew up Christian my whole life. I, I'm a God-fearing person. I love it. Man, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But then you come home every night and your kids start getting irritating with you and your only way to fall asleep is you drink yourself to sleep. Mm -hmm. You take three shots. Where, where is 
the vineyard there? Where is the connection to being that tree? Where is the root of bitterness? You might not be seeing it manifesting itself in the same way that it manifested for Lucifer, but there are areas in your life where you're in, in, discovering this sour feeling when you're like, this just doesn't feel good. This doesn't taste good. This bitterness that exists, you're not allowing that bitterness to be uprooted from your life. And the reality is that you can only experience the uprooting of something that is so deep in your life until you've allowed yourself to be processed by the garden. Mm. And in the same concept that we've been talking about for this past podcast about how a son treats his father, it's the same way that a gardener treats its tree. It's his baby. Yes. It's his source of where he's going to give life. It's where he's going to make his money. It's, it's everything to him. God sees us that same way. From the dawn of humanity, he's been attempting to craft, to purify us, to groom us, to prune us. Just an encouragement for all of you guys. God is not coming yet. Might be a shocker, might be a news alert, but it says in the word of God that Jesus will return for his bride who is spotless and without blemish. Yes. But I think the question we really need to ask ourselves is, where are my spots? Where are my blemishes? What are the things that are so rooted in my life yes. that I can't even see how I'm giving fruit? People are, people are over there picking off the apples from your tree and they're being filled with negativity. They're being filled with doubt. Or maybe you're a person who you're true and your root of bitterness is so deep inside that you're an angry person and you can't talk to people what they label as anger management issues. Maybe your root is that you experience trauma as a, as a young person. And you're never able to trust people. You're a loner and you're isolated with your friends and you consider yourself an introvert because you've never been able to open up your heart. There's a root of anxiety deep inside of your life that you're not allowing to be uprooted. So the question today is, how do you want to enter into the discipline of the Lord? Mm. So do you think, do you think we... We more we put more attention on the fruits instead of the root. We'll go and I'll give you that example. Verse 16 says, See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. In other words, to answer your question, yes, we have a generation of Esau's. <laughs> we have a generation that are more concerned and have more of an appreciation for the food, for the lentils, for the bowl of soup, than for the presence of God. Yes. Than for the full Bekora and Beraka, the inheritance of of the firstborn the inheritance of the firstborn is what god is wanting to deposit into your life what is the inheritance of the firstborn it has many different names it's called the fruits of the spirit because it says that jesus sent another one for us who is that the holy spirit what are the fruits of the spirit peace love faith patience Keep going. <laughs> it sounds pretty good to me, man. It sounds like, um, sounds better than anxiety. <laughs> sounds better than depression. Sounds better than fear. 
It is. Sounds better than financial insecurity. Yeah. Sounds better than emotional trauma. Depression. Sounds better Oppression. than physical sickness. Yes. Sounds better than cancer. Yes. It's a covenant that has been extended to us. Because I'm going to skip ahead to Hebrews a little bit. And specifically, here where I come to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Look at what it says about the current covenant that exists mm -hmm. in our relationship yes. with God. You guys remember Moses? Mm -hmm. We've talked about him a lot Anad, on this podcast. Yes. You guys remember the encounter he had on Mount Sinai? Yes, yes, yes. This is not the burning bush encounter. No, no. This no. is actually a much different encounter. It's the encounter in which Moses and his people, when he came back down from the mountain, they were living in idolatry, guys. You guys remember the story of the golden calf? And, and, and uh, the author of Hebrews chooses to dichotomize two different mountains. You guys remember Mount Sinai. That's what he talks about, verses 18 to 20, 21. But now Hebrews 12, 22 says this, but you have come to Mount Zion, Zion yes. to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, Verse 23, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, mm. you have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. I'll say that again. To the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Not to the spirits of the perfect made perfect. To the spirits of the righteous made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Just take a second and internalize this for a second, guys. We've been talking about the spirit of adoption, about it, what it means to be truly a son and a daughter of the most high God. But look at what's happening here. And the author of Hebrews is getting us to understand the following concept, that for years, for years, Deeper than any of, uh, any of us have ever been born. Older than Charles Spudrow. Older than Paul the Apostle. Older than Abraham. It says that in the beginning of time, the Spirit dwelled over the waters. Since the beginning of eternity and the beginning of creation, there existed a trinity who had a design for you. And that design was this new covenant that is being extended to us that is being extended to us through one person and one way alone. His name is Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. In other words, let me get you guys to understand this. And I and I really sat on this when I was at Bethel and reflecting on this. There's there's this concept in, in culture that um, Gable Price and Corey Asbury, they chose to wrote a song called Homecoming. You might have mixed feelings about homecoming. You know, I went to a high school. We didn't have a football team. So I never experienced a homecoming well, dance the, uh, yeah. or anything like that. But it's a pop culture thing. Mm -hmm. There's a whole movie called Spider-Man Homecoming where it talks about this concept. But for those of you guys who might not understand, homecoming is, is the first game of the football team season. It's, it's the home match. It's, man, varsity's showing up. All the cheerleaders are there. You have all the students. They're throwing a rally. Let's go. Let's go. Whatever your team name is, put it in there. For us, it was Panthers. Let's go, Panthers. Da, da, da. 
is for the first game. For the first match, the homecoming uh-huh. match, everyone is there. Celebration. It's the most hype, yep. the most excitement for the first match of the season. After the team has been grinding, practicing throughout the summer, preparing for the season, this is the first game where they come out excited to test out their new plays, excited to show off their offense, show off the defense, show off how tight the team is. Everything they have. Everything. Like the best of the best. Everyone is watching. Mm -hmm. Throws us back to what we're reading here in Hebrews 12, such a great cloud of witnesses. Yes, yes. This this athletic like wow. this athletic environment that the author of Hebrews mm-hmm. is drawing us to, but for a second, follow with me. It says, "You have come. You have come. Come where? You've come home, because a father and a son exist inside of a home. There cannot be a family without a home." You can't have a mom, a dad, a son. They need a place to live. And where do they live? They live at home. In other words here, what I'm getting you guys to understand for a second is that when when the scripture says you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, you have come to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Oftentimes we like to create church as this building, as this construct. But in the early times, in the book of Acts, you know what the church was to people? It was their home. It was where they lived. It's where they ate their meals. It's where they shared everything. everything. So I'm wondering to, today and this afternoon, if maybe the God is, God is speaking to you and he's asking, when's our homecoming? Hmm. When are you and I going to have our homecoming? Wow. When are you and I going to reintroduce ourselves to each other when are you going to reintroduce yourself to me as my son and show me everything that you've been working on in the hard season because i've been with you in the season i've been your coach yes i've been guiding you there's an author who started the race you've just been following his race son yes so now i want to have a homecoming with you i want to dance i want to celebrate i want to rejoice because you have come back home to me i'm wondering maybe if you feel that call on your heart today as you're listening to this podcast maybe you're driving maybe you're at the gym wherever you might be but maybe you feel this this all of a sudden newfound desire to know this father a father that is not coming at you with his arms closed like how we spoke about before with a whip in his hand ready to discipline you ready to beat you maybe the father is drawing you home Mm-hmm. because he wants to teach you something because he wants to take those roots that have been so deep inside your life and tell you hey son is it okay if i work on you a little bit while you're here at home while you're resting because here at home you're safe yes yes i don't know who needs it's, to hear this word yes, to, today yes, but yes, yes, but yes. you are Ooh. safe at home yes 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 it's mm. the only place where you will ever truly experience the safety It's in the embrace and in the love of the Father. Yeah, Mm. it might be scary at first to think, man, man, I got to repent. Yeah. Man, I got to ask for forgiveness again. Something that stuck with me that one of my, someone that inspired me at Bethel said this. He said, maturity is the following. How short you get and decreasing the time it takes for you to repent. Maturity is you shortening the gap 
to repentance to the point where you are not miles away from repenting, but that every single day you're just one step away. You're one step away from what it looks like to live a repented lifestyle. Because the reality is that many times we go through life this way. Maybe the gap isn't as big as we think it is. I watched a movie that I wasn't supposed to watch and I go to sleep. And then the next day I listened to some songs that I didn't wasn't supposed to listen to. And then maybe after a week of me watching shows and listening to music that I shouldn't be listening to, that opens up my heart to the point where then one day I'm at Safeway, I'm sitting in front of the alcohol stand and I'm thinking, man, mm. I want to take a nice drink to listen to this music, to enjoy this, to enjoy... Eventually you realize that one little step, that I'm, I'm right now in my hands, I want you guys to visualize this, my fingers are about an inch apart. Uh-huh, yes. I can see it. You could see it. Yeah. Here's, here's a science fact for you. If you and I were to start walking at this point, at this gap, you and I next to each other, one inch away, but I was tilted only one degree to my left, and you were only tilted one degree to your right. Mind you, there's only one gap of separation and one degree of shift. If we were to walk in that same line for 10 years, we'd end up in completely different destinations. Yes, yes, yes. So God is actually saying, hey, I don't want to throw a big homecoming dance for you every single time. I love it. I rejoice. Yes. I throw a party for you because guess what? The prodigal is coming back. Yes. I love you. But maybe God is saying it's time for you to come home and stay home. Mm. It's time for you to come in and allow me to mature you, to prune the things that I need to prune off of your life. These roots that have been so deep in your life that prevent you from being able to turn to me that then cause us five years down the road, three months down the road to be in these scenarios where we're reflecting in me like, man, I'm in the middle of the circumstance. I'm in the middle of the trouble. Where is God? God was back there when he was just one inch away. Yes, yes. And he'll still be there with you in the yep. pit. But maybe God is calling a new breed. Mm-hmm. Maybe God is calling a group of people who are here listening to this podcast who are willing to say, you know what? God, I want to be pruned by yes, you. Yes, I, I want, want it. I want to live in such close communion yes. with you that I don't have to take 20 steps to turn back to you. Yes. I just need to take one. Mm. Maybe maybe that's the call for you that you're feeling this in, in this as we continue to read this and as we close it off because it indicates this, verse 28, Hebrews 12, 28, and we encourage you guys to go back and read Hebrews chapter 12, but it says this. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming, consuming fire. fire. Maybe to, today you want to ask yourself, God, where do you need to consume me? What are the areas in my life where I've sowed seeds, where maybe my roots have been planted in the incorrect soil. Mm-hmm. Or maybe where I've been watering my life with water that isn't really the purest. Or maybe I've been blocking the sunlight because of the shade that I've been choosing to walk in. Or maybe I've simply been a stubborn tree refusing to grow and refusing to accept the correction of the gardener. Maybe that's me. But today, God, search me 
search my heart, search my mind, search my body, search my lifestyle, because I don't want my mindset to be the same, but rather I want my mindset and my lifestyles to align with the consuming fire. Can I be consumed today the same way that I was consumed yesterday so that I can then be consumed tomorrow and that I can constantly live not outside of home, but inside of home. Because I accept that covenant that you made with Jesus on the cross. I step into that covenant right here, right now, every single day. And I choose to not live a blood-washed mindset. I choose to truly live a blood-washed lifestyle. Mm, beautiful, excellent. Redeemed. Yes. Restored. Maybe that's you. If, if, you took, if you're taking that challenge, man, I, I applaud you guys. I, I encourage you guys because... That's the same boat that we're in here. What, what, do you, what do you have to say on that, Pastor you know, Robert? I think one other thing is that we have maybe a, a bad perspective about fire, about the fire, God. We have kind of in, in the wrong direction, in the wrong way of thinking. Maybe religion put it in the wrong way. But the fire is a key to be purified. We've been talking about before that in order for the true goal to be pure in its fire right and that's that's i believe god is calling to a generation that we need to be under the fire of god for what to be pure we need to and to add on to that here's the following summary of hebrews 12 and this is beautiful right and you can speak to this if not again <laughs> this might apply to you but the reality is that mature sons never outgrow the correction of their father can you say that again? That's, that's good. Mature sons never outgrow the correction of the father. Wow. Because the reality is that as you grow in your maturity, whenever the father comes in and tries to prune and correct, you're going to say, do it. Yes. yes. You're going to say, consume it. Yep. Consume it because I understand better is to be here where yes. you have me than to be outside yeah. of it it's a, it's a combination of so many things it's, it's it's a lifestyle concept because i do truly genuinely feel that in this season god is calling us to be mature he's calling us to mature in our faith for what reason so that you could go back into your job so that you could go back into your atmosphere so that you could be an innovator a pioneer Literally, the Hebrews chapter 12 said that our God, who is currently paving the way for us, was a pioneer. You don't think that there are secrets and mysteries in your life that God wants to pour out into your life? The reality is this. We're talking about those apple trees and how we often don't think about the roots. But you know what we do think about? How good that apple was. Yes. And you could say the following. Yeah. Man, I've had really good apples mm -hmm. and I've had really... They're okay. Yeah. The question you got to ask yourself is the following. What kind of apple do you want to be? What kind of fruits do you want to give to the people around you, to your coworkers, to your children, to your siblings, to your boyfriend, to your girlfriend? What kind of fruits do you want to give into their life? We were talking about at the beginning of the podcast how sometimes people who live in poverty, who are affected by their socioeconomic status, they can't afford fruit. No. Mm-mm. They can't afford it because it's, it's this thing that represents health, that represents purity, that represents man. Fruits are good for you. The question is, do you want to be someone who's giving out fruit or do you want to be someone who's giving out fear, giving out anxiety, giving out depression? 
The only way that you're going to solve that is by allowing your roots and that the soil where you're planted, that the water that is being nutrients to you, that the sun that is shining over your tree is the right one. One of the beautiful things that we know what kind of fruits the Father wants to bring in our life, the fruits of the Spirit. Correct. Because we need the fruits of the Spirit in our life, not just to be spiritually. Sometimes people... They, oh, I'm so spiritual. No. I operate in the gift of peace. I'm not talking (laughs) about that. But, you know, we need, like you said, you know, I want those fruits. So I like it because I'm not going blind. The the Father is telling me what kind of fruit, the fruit of love, the fruit of patience. So I have a clear understanding. And I want to just close with this statement because a lot of people, they think that I'm being in church for, 30 years. Doesn't mean I am fully mature. Wow. Nope. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say. Time does not define nope. your maturity. Nope. It's not. I, I, I'm going to straight it. I'm going to say it straight that way. It doesn't matter if you have 30 years, 40 years sitting in the pew serving. What matters is That's good. how you really show the image of God in those moments that nobody is seeing you. How you react with those moments that people, you'll be driving and will scream at you, say, ah! how are you going to react? You say, how are you going to react when, when your wife is telling you, trying to correct you, and you get all mad, say, because I'm right. That's those moments you really show how mature you are. It's not about knowing a lot of the Bible. It's how you walk. And again, it's guys, how you this this book is a companion. Yes. But guess what? He's the book is not walking for you. No. You still gotta walk. Yeah. The, what we're saying here is how beautiful it is that this book comes along and serves as guiding concepts. Like we were talking about earlier, we don't know everything that Jesus no. did with the disciples. Mm-hmm. But as you're saying right there, those are actually the moments where they were most being developed. Those were the moments where there would be no Matthew chapter 6, 7, 8 had there not been. Whatever they lived when they were, because remember, these guys were writing the books so many years after they had experienced I like what you Jesus. just said because it won't be Acts, you know, when Peter stood out, out outside of the upper room. Sermon and, on and, the Mount. And, the, yeah. and, and, and 3,000 people became saying there was not that moment. Listen, there was not moment that when the moment Jesus said, you're going to the diamond. Same moment. You see? Yeah. So when the first thing Peter preached, it was repentance. Because he had experienced that. He was not preaching a message that he learned in the book. I think that's that's probably going to, we got to put a bottle on that. Because I think that's the direction of this next journey where we're going to be taking it. We are on episode 25. And. It is, you know, you, we, we say this a lot on the podcast. We try not to be mystical and spiritual, but no. there are seasons and there are shiftings and there are assignments and we've made it to the quarter of 100. So don't be surprised if the podcast takes a turn as far as the types of revelations, yes. the types of things that we begin to share as Pastor Roberto was currently exploring into, there's purpose to your pain. Yes, there's these concepts aligning with divine purpose. 
And I think that these past 25 episodes, God's really been trying to pass us through a process of purification in order to prepare us for our process. Mm. There cannot be no process. You cannot be called. T.D. Jake says, is, says it this way. There is no oil without crushing. Yes. There's no anointing without pressing. Yes. And that's what the season that we're in, guys. And man, what better way to wrap off episode 25 than with... This is a two-hour-long banger, y'all. I, we, we, I know we went we, deep we, into it this time. And, and we still have a lot of things to talk about it. But we want to thank you, really, uh, from the bottom of our heart. We want to thank you for all of you guys that have been with us these 25 episodes. I want to say hello to um, our, our relative, Patty Paredes. That you know, no all personal shout-outs. Oh, yes. No personal shout-outs. She's a faithful listener to a podcast. So. Right. Shout-out, Patty, being part of the Waves community. Hopefully, you're... <laughs> your endeavors with your podcast go well as well. I've heard that you've been inspired to start a podcast as a result of what we've been doing here. And ultimately, that's the same for all of you guys. Yes. We hope that, you know, whatever you could take from this show, whatever you could take from just a couple moments that you guys choose to share with us, we're so grateful for the Thank fact you. that yes. you choose to take your time yes. to listen. And honestly, guys, we love you guys. We I know we say this every single time, but truly, truly, truly we from the bottom it. of our hearts, we would not, it's a blessing to live the life that we live in. It's an honor to get to live. And let's be real, guys. We're serving alongside you guys in this community. You guys are serving others when you choose to share it, when you choose to engage it. And hey, maybe one of you guys listening might be interested in joining us here on the podcast and you have something you want to share. They're open. Yes. Reach out to us. Hit us, how, hit how, us up. How, how, can we, how can they reach us? They can contact us always through our Instagram page at Somos Waves okay. or our personal Instagrams as well. In this case, mine at Samuel.Paredes. Mine is RT Paredes. And if that doesn't work, then of course you guys can always shoot us an email, SomosWaves at gmail.com. If you guys are ever interested in that, we respond we to that. Love it. Yes. But like as always, guys, look, we always say 25 episodes and we'll say it for 25 more. Stay wavy. Manténganse en la ola. Stay wavy, y'all. We love you guys and peace.